This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Toby Cudworth, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent and disgruntled Middlesbrough fan, Graham Bailey, and the buoyant, Ange Postacoglu, Thomas Frankman, Sean Walsh. Graham, how are you? You went to Ewood Park on Saturday, didn't you, to watch watch Middlesbrough away? Not the result you wanted there and also not a positive result last night for you either. I think last night's draw with Sheffield Wednesday was a lot more positive than Saturday. Yeah, it's um, it's got a bit of a car crash at the minute. It's um, they had a really bad um transfer window, which didn't help Michael Carrick. The players they brought in were never good enough, and uh, yeah, it's um, last season's promotion charge is looking a distant, so in, in the rear window now. It's um, yeah, it's going really badly. And uh, my beloved Cleveland Browns lost on Monday night. Lost Nick Chubb to a disgusting tackle from a Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's a horrible week for me so far. Yeah, um, yeah, things can only get better. On the flip side, Sean, you're riding the quest, crest of a wave, aren't you, as a Spurs fan? Um, you were there on Saturday. How nice was it to go and watch your side, albeit in a work capacity, witness that comeback against Sheffield United? Because... You knocked on the door for most of the game, but that's a game you wouldn't have won in years gone by, right? Yeah, it was just it was just very refreshing, you know. I think Sheffield United did a really good job of defending and slowing the game down. Um, full credit to them. They came and did their job well for around 98 minutes, but they couldn't do it for 100. And that was ultimately what told in the end. And I think Andrew Postacoglu said at a fan forum last night, you know, if teams want to come and they want to play these long, long games, that's fine because Spurs are going to be fitter than a lot of them and they're going to find a way to get through and the noise in that stadium when Kulazewski scored the winner I've never heard it so loud it was unbelievable it was really really a great day out I think that's the thing I picked up on the most was the atmosphere that Spurs mm. we've heard all along that that stadium was purpose-built to create theatre to create that buzz and it's for moments like that Graham I presume you've seen the winner and you've heard uh, the reaction from the Spurs fans in the stadium that's what we want to see in English football, don't we? That cauldron of noise and it really meaning something, even when, no disrespect to Sheffield United, Spurs should be winning that game. But you want to hear that, don't you? You do. I, was, I saw Spurs at Burnley and they were um, outstanding. They cut through Burnley a lot easier than they did Sheffield United. Um, I did feel for Sheffield United a little bit because you know, that was that was never a second yellow for McBurney and um, we don't want to see officiating like that. We'd like to see atmosphere like that, but not officiating like that. But... Um, yeah, it, it was. Um, it's good, and the the Ange factor is the real thing. I said I saw that at Burnley myself, and 
you know. And hey, long may it continue. As one of the only people in the night in office but to predict Spurs finishing top four, um, I'm quite happy to see them doing so. This is only, an admin error. <laughs> only the middle of September. That's what I will say. Very early days. But uh, anyway, the other thing to note from that game, was that the longest Premier League game of the season? It was, what, 14, 15 minutes added on? That's the first time we've really seen any lengthy, lengthy added time. The latest comeback in Premier History as well. I thought I'd seen. I thought I'd seen a few eight, nine, ten, eleven minutes, but that might, was that. This, this was long. I thought, I thought I'd seen a few. I thought I'd seen a few of them. This was almost a half past five finish from a three yeah, o'clock kickoff. That's how late it was. But anyway, we are here for talking transfers. Uh, we're going to talk Harry Kane um, and a clause in the deal that took him to Bayern Munich. We're going to talk some contract activity at Liverpool. We've got Reese James on the menu and his future at Chelsea. We've got Ivan Tony. Martin Odegaard, Aaron Ramsdale and some other heavy hitters at Arsenal and some young stars from around the world to discuss as well. But before we get underway, a quick reminder, please, to subscribe to the show on all of your major podcast platforms. And if you want to follow us individually on social, you can do so at Toby underscore Cudworth, at Graham Bailey and at Sean DZ Walsh on X. I think we now have to call it X. Twitter is very much in the in the past. It's at 90min underscore football across all of the social channels for 90min. And if you want to read the articles that we're about to discuss today on site, we need to go to 90min.com forward slash talking transfers. So we'll start with Spurs or a Spurs related story, Graham. Harry Kane, uh, one of the biggest stories of the summer window, one that eventually saw England's captain move to Bayern Munich for a fee north of 80 million. Details emerging over the past day or so at the time of recording. Spurs chairman Daniel Levy speaking at a fans forum about a clause that was included in the deal to send him to Bayern. Could you just spin us through what he said, first of all, uh, and whether or not there's any substance to a potential return for Kane to North London in the future? He was just responding to a question at the at the fans forum. Obviously, a very happy fans forum. Um, so no one, no one, the Daniel Levy and Ange were, were were present. So it's a good time to do a fans forum. Um, he was asked about Harry Kane, and he confirmed, yes, we do have a buyback. He was, he was more, it was matter of fact, wasn't he? he was saying, of course, we have a buyback. He's a Spurs legend. He was waxing lyrical about Harry Kane. Um, the only the only break that you would put on this is remember these clauses are only worth the paper written on if a player wants to come. Obviously, we, we p- presume that Harry Kane would dearly like to return to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Probably have another name by the time he, he would come back. But yeah, it, it has to be for the player to agree as well. I'm told that the clause is can change throughout the contract, depends on when it is, what success he's had, what Spurs might do. So it does change. Um, I don't think... Um, I've seen some funny memes saying that Daniel Levy will use the clause just as Harry Kane's about to pick up his first trophy maybe but um yeah that's not a thing. So yeah we'll see how see how it goes and and you know, we all, we always said that before he went didn't we and even even last year when he was first thing we said go to Bayern for a couple of years then come back and break the records at Spurs and yeah um but although the way Spurs are going um if if Son if Son keeps up his is running the team I think you'll see sure I think uh, he'd be lucky to get back in the team if he keeps going under Ange. This is an interesting point, isn't it, Sean? Spurs have evolved very, very quickly in this post-Kane era. Now, we're probably not talking about this being any kind of reality for at least two years, possibly even three or four, given the length of contract Kane signed at Bayern, the success that Bayern are guaranteed over the next few years. You wouldn't imagine he's going to be in a rush to come back. Are Spurs already at a point where it's healthier for the club 
to move on clean break or is it far too early to be having these discussions we need to see how things play out I definitely think it's too early we have no idea what the future is going to look like two three years we don't know what Spurs are going to like next year we have no idea what Kane's going to look like next year you know Kane could very easily just get a really bad injury it could really derail his physicality it could you know diminish his ability Spurs could be way into the future you know I was joking earlier that Kane could be brought back at the time that Spurs have already won three leagues in a row. I don't, don't think that's going to happen, but we can't Eddie. take it off the table. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think that right now, I think Spurs fans have done very well to move on from the saga of Kane. Because I remember in those days where it broke, that Kane was going, it was almost like this disbelief. This it felt like grief a little bit that someone had died. You know, the the best player in the club's history was finally leaving, and no one expected him to. But I think in the month or so that's happened, Spurs have done really, really well. And you don't really think about Kane in that sense anymore. I think Spurs fans have got a bit annoyed when Kane was asked the other day about Spurs and he made a point to the Premier League as a whole. Oh, it's a really good competition. I watched that and I hope Spurs do well. But I think that's just, he's super PR trained. He's super media trained. If anything is, um, every answer he's ever given to any question reads a bit like um, chat GPT. But... I think I think you're right. I think Spurs do need to move on a little bit. I, I could more, more see it if Kane was in a situation like when Bale came back. So if he's not at his best, but he can come in for a few games, um, you know, he just wants to come back and have that kind of feel-good return. I don't think that he'll be coming back as the centrepiece of certainly what this Spurs team is going to be about. I can't foresee that, really. A couple of months ago, it was unfathomable from a Spurs fan's perspective that Harry Kane would leave, right? Looking at it now, I know this is only mid-September. We've had, what, five, six weeks of the season. Is this the best thing that could have happened for Ange Postacoglu in particular? Because it's out of the way. There's no discussion about what Harry Kane's going to be doing in January or next summer. Has this been the clean slate that Spurs perhaps needed to get his reign off to the start that he's had? Yeah, absolutely. I think every year that Kane was here, he came up so many times in press conferences. You know, it was always questions about... Is he Spurs' greatest player ever? Is he the Premier League's greatest player ever? When's he going to break Shearer's record? When's he going to break Greaves' record? And then obviously last year it turned more into, is he going to leave? Um, is he going to stay? And I think when he broke Jimmy Greaves' scoring record against Man City back in February, the feeling that I had was this player in this club are so one and the same that he cannot be allowed to leave, that it would just be a bit pointless that if these two were ever to part. Now I think it's more about Spurs have been able to reinvent themselves as a collective and move away from that. You know, Pep Guardiola joked it was the Harry Kane team a few years ago. They've firmly moved away from that identity now. And I think that's for, for the greater good. And just come in and he's really emphasised the team aspect of this. And I don't think that he would take him, him back in the next couple of years if Spurs are continuing this trajectory. But, you know, it, like I said at the start, it's way, way too early to really call anything in this. Graham, from a Bayern perspective and over in Germany, Kane's had a red-hot start and we know it took Bayern well over a year to replace Robert Lewandowski. Yes, this clause is in the deal, but there's no intimation that Bayern want to move on from Kane in the next two or three years. He's their long-term striker. Um, From their perspective, they won't be entertaining this as something that's absolutely going to happen in the future. It's just it's just a mechanism to get him back to North London if things fall into place. But they wouldn't have negotiated that deal with allowing Kane to leave in mind, right? Yeah, it's just, it's becoming more 
more of a convention now in England to have these clauses in. You know, we we're talking off, off about buybacks, and you know, we we've only really seen it recently. We haven't even seen them enacted in England much. You know, there's Douglas Louise who City thought about at one point when he was at Villa, but um, and we're just because we will see these used more and more in England, especially for instance, um, Aaron Ramsey going to Burnley from Villa and Cameron Archer where. This is someone Monchi's put those in to use them. If they go to their respective clubs, you will see Villa them back at Villa very soon. So I think it's something we will see more of. And you know, it's, it's like the release clause as well. We're just getting used to those in England now, aren't we? It's very we're very much not not ten years behind what they're doing in Spain, but you know, we're just getting used to these clauses now. They are becoming part of the everyday furniture now in terms of the contracts. And it's something we'll we'll see more and more of. And yeah. You know, it's. It, I think it's a nice romantic gesture from Spurs. This I don't. I think they put it in there to. You know, maybe if it's, it was maybe for, maybe for Kane's good as well. If if there's a chance that Harry Kane became unhappy at Bayern and really wanted to leave, there's there's a clause there to get him out. So it might work on both sides. Well, yeah, but there's not Bayern are delighted with him. They don't see him leaving anytime soon. And you know, he um. If he carries on history, he'll be signing an extended deal at Bayern and staying for quite a while. You know, how Lewandowski was there till he was 35, was he, or 34, Lewandowski? So, still a lot of years to go for Kane in, in Munich from as we stand. Just on buyback clauses, is it fair to say that Premier League clubs have looked at the example of Barcelona, Real Madrid, you've touched on Monkey there from Sevilla. This is an opportunity for clubs to allow homegrown players to go out, play first-team football and develop, and be able to come back and still be a homegrown player in the future, whereas the pathway has sometimes been blocked by transfer activity. They haven't been able to give the minutes to these kids. Um, and perhaps they've looked at this and thought this is a way that we can help nurture, develop talent, help even the national team to an extent, get these players playing first team football at a younger age, but still have that protection to be able to integrate them into their first team at some point in the future, like Real and Barcelona have done so often. Oh yeah, I think it's essential. You know, I think the the success of the English team personally is nothing to do with Gareth Southgate. It's the likes of Man City, Chelsea, etc. It's their it's their academies that they're ploughing. The football association are ploughing millions of pounds into these academies. It's the clubs, and we should be very thankful for it. You know, is that it's them who are providing these talents for English football. Um, it's the millions of pounds that the city, as I said, just city, Chelsea, Liverpool putting in. But also, what I would say with these buyback clauses, Toby, they they have huge sell-on fees as well they're going hand in hand with these as well. So yeah, all these deals like a Cole Palmer or the Chelsea letting all their players go. Um like a lot of Chica said, they have they have huge selling fees. So that it's part of their system is to let these players go, you know. They there's no blockage in the system, especially at City, you know, if a player's ready to go, he goes. He goes out. Um same as Chelsea and getting players out there. Um and there's ways and means of doing it. You know, there's the multi club ownership as well. But this is another way of doing it. Um and the the buyback with the huge sell-on clause. Um, yeah, it's just part of the business now. Interesting stuff. Um, one player who is a homegrown talent who could be in line for a new contract, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Graham at Liverpool. Um, obviously one of Liverpool's. Is it fair to say he's one of their greatest fullbacks ever already at this stage? He's only 23, 24, but he's achieved so much in the game already and looks like he will achieve so much more in the future. He's in line for a new contract, Graham, um, to ward off some interest from elsewhere. He's not the only Liverpool player, though, is he? No, um, yeah, he's what I'd say he's one in last last decade. He's probably their greatest homegrown product. I think we forget he has come through the ranks there. 
and and I think Liverpool don't get the credit sometimes they deserve for you know producing talent such as him. He, he's been the best fullback. Yeah, I can go back to Rob Jones here. I'm sure you do, Toby, as well. He was a very good player. But he wasn't a product. Obviously, he came from the mighty crew, Alexander, at the time. Um, yeah, he's only 24 as well. You know, like nearly 300 games he's played. It's a fabulous achievement. And, and England are very, very lucky because you know you got to feel for chat a little bit. If Reese James wasn't there, he'd be he'd be locked into that right back position, wouldn't he? And um, for years to come. Yeah, there is interest in in Trent from abroad. You know, Real Madrid need a long term solution at right back, and you could see Trent and and Reece James, who will come on to as well, was a is a player they're tracking as well. Big big clubs track these good players, and these are two. These are two of the best fullbacks in the world football. I know Trent gets a lot of stick, but you know he has to play in the Premier League, which is arguably probably that I would argue is the hardest league for a fullback to play. You know, they really are pinned back a lot of the times. Um, every wing is going at them really, really difficultly. I, I I like Trent, I do. I think he's had a hard time. But yeah, and Liverpool are going to reward him. He's going to end up on £250,000 a week. Similar deal to what Rhys James signed earlier in the year. He'll be one of the home, he'll be one of the highest paid players at Liverpool. Um, he's not looking to leave Trent. He's he's a real part of the furniture there. But I say only 24, so you can sign this deal and then maybe look elsewhere. But yeah, um, his current deal only has till 2025 to run, so less than two years. And Liverpool really just don't want it to get into that um, final 18 months, which if we got to January, it would be the last 18 months of his contract. So Liverpool are determined to get there. Talks are going well, and they don't see any issues with this. But yeah, they'll be tying him down. Um, along with... Um, his teammate Simikas, Costa Simikas, the Greek boy, who I, I actually like, and he's come in from from Olympiacos. He is Andrew Robertson's understudy, but he has played. You know, he's, he comes in when you see him. He's a very, very good player, and they're going to hand him a two-year extension to twenty twenty-seven. Um, yeah, they love him. He's played nearly 100 times since he arrived. He's, he's seemingly happy being a squad man, which is the ideal thing, isn't it? For when you bring someone in a high caliber squad player like this, who you know, he would probably play. I don't know what you guys think. I think Simicast would probably start for quite a lot of very good teams. He's a, he's a very good player, but yeah, um, he's been persuaded to stay, stays Andrew Robertson's backup. So yeah, um, two of their fullbacks are going to sign long-term deals. So good, good, good forward planning from Liverpool really. This is needed for Liverpool, isn't it, Sean? They've had a lot of turnover in the summer, albeit in midfield. Trent Alexander-Arnold, he strikes me as a player who could be a one-club player throughout his entire career, stays at Liverpool. Certainly be good enough to start. At right back, could even transition into that defensive midfield role. In the future, we'll see how that plays out. But as Graham says, Costa Simicas, he's not a bad player at all, is he? He's no Andrew Robertson, but he's done a good job for Liverpool for the most part when he's been drafted into the side and you need that depth to be able to compete both at domestic level but to challenge Liverpool will hope this season that they're going to push to win the Europa League and in future years get back into the Champions League mix. Yeah I was nodding along with everything that Graham said there I really like Simicas. whenever he comes in you know you don't see clangers from him he doesn't get absolutely pasted by the winger that he's up against he's a very good solid player he has a very iconic moment in scoring that um, winning a penalty in the FA Cup final um, just you need those players in your squad. So it's really um, handy for Liverpool that they can have someone who is clearly a backup, but he's fine with that. He's fine with just the privilege of that. He can come in and out. It's fine. And then, yeah, with Trent, the football romantic in me 
wants player like like that to stay with one club forever. I think it. I think I said earlier um, on a few pods ago when Chelsea were looking to maybe offload Gallagher and some of their other academy players. I thought it's just it's a really sad state of affairs that FFP was being used as like the academy players to ease the burden there rather than keep these players and have a bit of pride in these players coming through the system. You know, I think who's the was it Kwanzaa who made his debut, his full debut at the weekend for Liverpool, first start? He's been there since the age of five, I think it was. That's a real kind of source of pride. You want your club to bring through these players who have these long associations. So I think the longer Trent's there, the better it is for football. And you mentioned it as well. You do forget sometimes that he is a homegrown hero that, and he has achieved so much. You know, a few years ago, he was, he probably was a few years ago, the best right back in the world. Maybe not so now, but he's in that curve of player. If he was to move, it would be, Huge, huge news. So good for Liverpool to try and time down while they can. A few raised eyebrows earlier this summer, wasn't there, Graham, when Alexander Arnold was made Liverpool's vice captain? But he's future captain material, isn't he? He is, yeah. Obviously, the captain debate has caused issues at Liverpool. We know that. We spoke previously about Salah, who did want it. He was overlooked. But yeah, I think Trent is, um, yeah, he's a future captain. No, no, no doubting that. Um, following the footsteps of, and you know, I think. I imagine they would have thought long and hard about giving him it now. You know, he's not, he's, but I think because he's 24, um, but he would have followed in the footsteps, wouldn't he? Carragher, Gerard. I think, I think I'd have been tempted to give it to him, to be honest. I bet, and I bet it was in the conversation. Obviously, he's vice captain, so he would have been in the conversation. And Liverpool are probably blessed, you know, some teams. You know, we struggle. Like, look at my United. They say, who is the captain in their team? But when you look at Liverpool, there's quite a few who stand up there saying, "Yeah, do you know what I mean, you could see them with the armband for for a lot of years to come." And what I do find it fascinating, guys, is this: is the terms of these contracts. So, Simicast is up in 2025, same as Alexander Arnold. They're giving him a two-year extension. It's that that is how you work a football club, isn't it? They're not giving Trent. If not giving an eight-year contract like some other clubs, we, don't, we know who we're talking about, and Simicash not just giving them an eight-year contract or something, you know, you know, it's it's a keeping the value when they do it, and 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 I think Liverpool are one of the clubs who haven't really, if you think about it, I, I was just thinking now, top of my head, Liverpool haven't been caught with many of these players who are under contract when they don't want them to be, as some of the clubs we've seen. Obviously, I think they got a little bit lucky with Fabinho. Um, this summer, but even even still, he was out of contract next year, I think. And Thiago's out was out of contract. Thiago was one who would say, "Yeah, John, you know if he had three or four years left on his contract, he'd be a real issue." But he's out of contract next summer, so I think it's under, you can't estimate how well some of these clubs are managed. I know Liverpool fans, FSG, have issues, but they're handling their contract issues very well at the minute. Well, Liverpool considered Alexander Arnold for the captaincy, perhaps over in London. Chelsea did make one of their homegrown players captain. Reese James uh, signed a new lo- long-term contract. I believe it was earlier this year, Graham, but I lose mm-hmm. track of time, such as it the nature was, yeah. of, the, of the business that's done. But the noise hasn't really gone away that Reese James is on the shopping list of Real Madrid's. That was a link that first emerged prior to him signing his new contract. He's obviously signed that. He's Chelsea's captain now. He's in it for the long haul but the chatter isn't going away. Can you just walk us through, has anything changed from Reese James's perspective? Given Chelsea's struggles, I pointed out to Sean and a couple of the guys yesterday, Chelsea's form this year is the second worst of any team who's been in the Premier League, bar Everton. Take the relegated clubs out of the equation. They've only won five games this year. Is that a concern for Reese James or is he as committed as he ever was? At the moment, it isn't um, a concern to him. You know, he 
And, and you know, it's it's a strange match, Chelsea, because he's looking around. He probably looks around the squad with the Enzos, the Casidos, and the like, Levi Corbell. And he thinks, John, <laughs> uh, there, is, there, is a, there is a bones of a Champions League team there. Of course there is. We know that. And I think Reese James sees himself as part of that. He can't help the links. You know, Real Madrid, um, his good friend Antonio Rudiger there. No doubt he's having a word in the air because Real Madrid do need um, another right back. Um, they brought the boy, was it young Diaz? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, Frank Garcia came back, didn't he, in the summer? But you know, we don't see he's more of a squad man. Um, Danny Carvajal is still there, which I think they're a bit behind the times here, Real Madrid. I think they would have liked someone they looked at Fresneda who went to Dortmund, but they weren't fully convinced by him. Even Nacho's still there, so they do need cover it right back. And you know, if you are Real Madrid and you are Montreal Perez telling Wani Califat, go and get me a right back. Then it's no surprise, is it, that Reese James and Trent Alexander Arnold are in the conversation? You know, we can only imagine guy what these two would be like in that team. They would be pretty amazing, really. And I think James especially would be such a wonderful fit at that club. But at the moment, no. Uh, and Real Madrid, you know, they're going to keep asking the question every few months, once a year, twice a year. Is he happy? Yeah, he is. So at the moment, nothing's going to happen. But if they say a chink of like the um, They'll make a move, but no, as it stands, Rhys James is very happy at Chelsea. He wants to turn them into a force again. There's a real project at Chelsea now, and I think some of the, yeah, it's they are Pochettino is really getting that squad together in terms of battening down the hatches. You know, win this together, we have to come through. And I think Poch needs. I think he's telling the players he needs number two windows to get this right. Really, um, he's got more say on the transfers, and and that's where Rhys James is. Um, I don't, I can't see him being dropped anytime soon. You know. Hopefully he'll be back from his injuries pretty soon. But um, no, I think um, you know it's no surprise to see Real Madrid linked to Toby. But no, Rhys James is very very happy at Chelsea and he isn't going anywhere anytime soon. It feels a lot like the Real Madrid link goes back to when Chelsea played them in the Champions League in twenty one twenty two when they played in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. It went to extra time after Chelsea made that great comeback. He was really really good at the Bernabeu. I have to say, I think he re- did a really good job up against Vinicius and. It feels like one of those things where if you go to if you're a big name, up and coming name, you go to Real Madrid, you have a really, really good match. You will never be be linked to them for forever. They'll start talking about Real Madrid DNA, and Toby, you know, we do the transfer rumor roundup every morning. The amount of times I see the Madrid press linking Reese James with a move to the Bernabeu, it's always it's quite close, a lot. It's, it's, it's always, always a telling sign, you know. Yeah, it's always a telling sign. So I think that you know the interest is definitely there. I would like to do see. You, do you guys? I, I wonder. Do, wonder I do, do, do you think it's a matter of time before this guy he's played virtually everywhere apart from in goal? It's a matter of time before we see them try Valverde at right back. Wouldn't be surprised. He's the yeah, ultimate utility man, isn't he? He is and so look, good, think... isn't he? And he could play there, couldn't he? He's so good. It's the only position Real Madrid haven't really got any depth to it. You've already no. said it there, Graham, but they are stacked in central midfield, they are stacked in forward areas. Valverde is good enough, particularly in games where Real Madrid are favourites to win. He's clearly got the engine. He's got the technical ability. He's got the defensive now. So he could play there. So I wouldn't be surprised if Carlo Ancelotti does do that at some point. Um, let's just cycle back to Chelsea very quickly. Sean, Mauricio Pochettino in there. He's got a massive job on his hands, hasn't he? And they've not got off to the start that many fans hoped they would. I think there was a clamour and a real hope that he would turn things around instantly. The same old problem. They're not really creating chances. They're not looking too threatening. Um, They need a goal threat. And that kind of leans into the next 
player that we're going to discuss, even Tony, not currently playing for Brentford because of his ban. He is back in training, but we won't see him until January. How do you assess where Chelsea are currently at, Sean? And then the even Tony links, quite obvious, aren't they? Santiago Jimenez from Feyenoord also on Chelsea's agenda. Um, just spin us through where we are. Yeah, so I think the problem with Chelsea right now is they still feel a bit too much like a Potter team, you know. They make chances, but they're more half chances than clear-cut chances. They still don't have that natural goal-scoring centre-forward. I think we spoke before about they should have just probably just gone and got Ozzyman if he was there for them. The defence is okay, but... They could... Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best-kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Seeding a couple goals here and there where they probably shouldn't, so it's really teething prong for them. So it's a slow burner. I personally don't think that a club with the pressures of Chelsea can do the youth project that Top Bully can want, but that's up for him to decide. Um, yeah, the links to Ivan Tony, um, legitimate that Chelsea do hold some kind of interest. They are weighing up a move. And Brentford would be willing to sell for the right price. Thomas Frank went on Monday Night Football earlier this week. He said, you know, everyone's got a price. We are a selling club. I think that maybe would be the right time for Brentford to move on. Because I think they've started the season quite well without Tony. They've proven in the last year or so that they can play without Tony. If they were to get that big fee, they can go and spend it on a couple of other um, areas where they can improve. I think there is a real ambition for them to get into Europe over the next couple of years after the year they had last year. And it makes sense for Chelsea, I think. I think if you were to compare Tony to anyone, it probably would be Didier Drogba. And Chelsea need they need that kind of charisma that Tony would bring, that confidence in front of goal, that focal point. Because I think Nicholas Jackson could be a good striker in the future, but I think he's just too raw and playing with a lot of pressure right now to, to really do that. Graham, you're not sure on that link, Tony and Drogba? You pulled a slightly funny face when Sean said that. What do you see? Not as good, but that, the same look kind of profile. I think he's probably nearer to Didier Drogba as he is now than when he was in his group. <laughs> <laughs> um, Didier Drogba was a world-class centre-forward. I've been told he was not a world-class centre-forward, as much as he thinks he is. Um, 
I like Ivan Tony. I do. I, I think Sean sees him more than me. He rates him higher than I do. Um, and he's a good Premier League player. But I just don't think he's what Chelsea needs. Chelsea needs something better than that. Um, I, I, I do hear keep getting linked and he's injured now. But keep down Tammy Abraham. Possible return there. And I think Tammy's I think he's better than Tony personally. Not much in it, granted. But I, I just think that Chelsea just need that top class number nine. Nicholas Jackson. Um, Bless him, um, Poch- and Pochettino. Um, he, he has to he has to back it back this signing that's come in. But some of these signings that Chelsea have made, I do worry about the recruitment. You know, Jackson. To be fair, we said if he was the number two striker, yeah, fine. But if he's leading the line, I think I said in my predictions. You know, if he's if he's starting the season, I'd have Chelsea at the top eight. And and it's things like Axel Disassi coming in. It's like it's. Is he better than what they had? You know, I know Chalabar's injured, but he's not better than Trevor Chalabar. It's an accident waiting to happen. Some of this recruitment by Chelsea, I love some of the recruitment. I love Enzo. I love Caicedo. But some of it is just so haphazard. I don't think they've learned the lessons. I really don't. You know, they came into this summer, and I think we said on the show, when we were talking about what clubs need, Chelsea needed a goalkeeper, and they needed a number nine. Yeah, and the midfielders, fair enough. They did need to sort the midfield out, and arguably they have. But number nine and goalkeeper, they haven't addressed. It's, it's, I, I just, I think it reminds me a bit of the Man U window where they suddenly changed the targets later on and had an abysmal window. And Chelsea obviously didn't have an abysmal window because they've got Caicedo, they've got Lavia, who will prove to be top class players for them. But not getting that extra number nine in. And so, you know, Pochettino's a good manager, but he's not a miracle worker. I wrote a piece after Chelsea lost at home to Nottingham Forest just before the international break where basically the, the crux of it was it feels a lot like Chelsea are trying to be Brighton and you know Chelsea do have a lot of people who were at Brighton there and I think it's so hard to do when the pressures are so different you know my colleague Scott Saunders he preaches a lot on Twitter that it's different when you're at Brighton there is no spotlight there is no pressure there's no expectation you can kind of almost freely go about your business a little bit more it's different at Chelsea it's a completely different world and I think that is why they're going to continue to struggle regardless of who the manager is do we think Ivan Tony would be suitable then for that kind of pressure he's delivered for Brentford in the three seasons that he's been there scored 31 championship goals when they went up I think he scored 20 Premier League goals last season his goal record suggests that he is operating at the top level so you can understand why Chelsea would like him, but could he handle that big move in either of your estimations? I don't mind who goes first. And also, can I just try and put a figure on what you think Ivan Tony is worth in this current market, given what he has achieved in the last couple of years? What would Chelsea need to pay to get him out? I think it depends where Chelsea are. In the, if, 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 if things improve for Chelsea and he's to see him as that final... Say if they're battling for top four and they think, John, what, let's just get Tony in the door and he can fire his top four. I think it'll depend on where they are. You know, if they're, if they're languishing in mid-table, like say, oh, we'll wait till someone maybe go for Nossiman. Um, don't get me wrong. I think Tony's a huge upgrade on what they've got. He would be um, a huge upgrade on anything from Brogia for Jackson. Brogia and Jackson, you know, barely Premier League standard, in my opinion. So he would be a huge upgrade on what they've got. He really would. Uh, and you can see Tony desperate fact. No, Tony from where he is now, if Tony gets a move to Chelsea and, and does well, he's going to the Euros from nowhere. Uh, so is that, he, he will be desperate for this. Um, and, you know, in terms of cost, I say, I think it'll, it'll, what Brentford ask will be depending on how desperate the buyer is. 
And if it's Chelsea, and they'll be hoping they'll be hoping it's Chelsea. But as we know, you can get some money out of Chelsea. Well, Frank did say on Monday Night Football, he made a point that um, you look at the amount of money the midfielders are going for. I do think that he was thinking about Chelsea in mind when he said this. And he said the strikers are the most important because they get you the goals. So I do think that Brentford will, you're right, they'll bump that price right up. Do you think this period of Brentford not having Ivan Tony, Sean, is going to be key to how high they go in terms of their price? If they can prove for six months that they're capable of mixing in the Premier League without... Ivan Tony, and they can reinvest that money Brighton style. That's kind of what Brentford want to do, right? They want to maybe bring two or three players in with the money that they could generate from Tony. Maybe a sale actually wouldn't be a bad thing for them in the long run either. Yeah, I think so. And they have they've swung and missed on a few key transfer targets where they've caught they've been quoted maybe 45, 50 million and they won't go that high. So I think selling Tony for a big fee would give them the flexibility to do that so I do think that that's in their thinking that if we can continue as a team and I do think they believe in what they have as a team now that is why they didn't go and sign another striker but if they were to lose Tony permanently they would have a succession plan in place and I think they would be able to move forward Okay well let's uh, let's keep the Brentford link going we're going to discuss Arsenal Sean I'm going to come to you first David Raya uh, was in goal at the weekend for Arsenal's 1-0 win over Everton Joined from Brentford earlier this summer. Um, ousted Aaron Ramsdale to the surprise of many. Mikel Arteta is saying it's part of rotation, that he doesn't really have a fixed number one goalkeeper. This was always the plan. And that he may even go as far as substituting his goalkeepers within matches, something that we never see. Um, in terms of Aaron Ramsdale, noise that he might look to leave Arsenal because of this. I think... Many people saying that he expected to be Arsenal's number one, that that situation wouldn't change with David Raya. But obviously Arteta's comments suggest that that may not be the case moving forward. What's our understanding of how Aaron Ramsdale's feeling right now? We've seen links to Chelsea. Graham's spoken about their need for a goalkeeper and elsewhere. But is there any substance to this yet? We believe right now that Ramsdale's determined to stay and fight for his place. He's not looking to leave Arsenal. That could change if you know it gets to January and Raya has started every game and he's firmly the number one. But it does sound like Aaron Ramsdale is committed to Arsenal right now. I would be a little bit worried if I was him because I, I think Arteta is crazy enough to do the substitute a goalie thing. I think that there is something in that. But I do think it is also a bit of lip service. He's trying to kind of take the sting out of it because it is a story when you do drop your goalkeeper. Of course it is, um, and I think Raya, you know, you know me how been on here for months and have waxed lyrical about Raya. I think one of the underrated things that I didn't consider before is in that Everton game, how much calmer Arsenal did look. They weren't worried about the goalie behind them doing something silly, which Ramsdale can do from time to time, as much as he is a good goalkeeper. But I think Raya just brings a bit more kind of, you know what you're getting with him. You don't get that unpredictability and, you know, the situation could change. But it does sound like Ramsdale for now is committed to Arsenal. Graham just did Randall deserve to be dropped? Very good last season, albeit he did make a couple of mistakes playing out from the back, but Arsenal went close in the Premier League title race. Were you surprised that he was dropped or did you see this coming? I was surprised it happened when it did, you know, once we signed Rhea. Um Interesting, you know, I, I think Atta is doing, is not doing the right thing by Ramsdale. Ramsdale um, didn't deserve to be dropped. I know what Sean's saying about Rear, where he's a different type of keeper at Ramsdale. Um, 
bit calmer. You know, Ramsdale's a very passionate man, but um, I don't think he's warranted losing his spot. And yeah, I think Arteta's caused an issue here, which he didn't need to. Um, and we'll see how it plays out, you know, from what we're told by people close to, to Ramsdale, as um, as often shown to the piece. Um, he's settled at the moment, but if, if he's not asked on number one come January, you know, he's going to be worried about his England spot, etc. You know, he's, he's just, he's in one of the first few caps recently. And, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. It, it really is. I think he was in goal for Arsenal. Did, did he make that many mistakes? I think, personally, I think, I think Ramsdale's a better shot stopper, but Ray's better with his feet. It's a bit like the United situation. What what suits Arsenal better? And there is that argument, I can see it, where Ray probably does suit the Arsenal style better. Um, so I can see why he's doing that. Will it become a thing that you maybe change your goalkeepers? Why not? I guess, you know, there's no one else. If 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 Haaland can be rotated out at City, then why can't anyone else in any other team? So it, it might, Arteta might be seeing this, you know, it, it, the intense pressure on a goalkeeper for every single game, having to play ninety minutes and concentrate, you, you can you can see why I might be doing. It might be ahead of the ahead of the curve here, really. So we'll have to see how it plays out. It's one that if it does happen, that Ramsdale would have to get used to in rear as well. But yeah, um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Ray does become number one uh, as of now, um, next few weeks. But we'll see Champions League important games. We'll see where it goes. But um, yeah, he's happy at the moment, but it won't stay that way if he's not number one. Well, it certainly would have been less of a story if Arteta had done it for the Champions League game against PSV, because I think many would have expected that to be the time to rotate his goalkeeper and then Raya could have kept his place. But he's chosen to go the way that he has. Mm. We'll see how that develops. Uh other Arsenal news, Graham, in terms of new contracts, I think the headline story here is Martin Odegaard. Um, Arsenal looking to tie him down, but not the only one, is he? No, Arsenal are moving through the squad. Um, just, just there's been murmurs about Arteta as well, but I think they're not really worried about that. That'll, that'll come to pass when, when they need to with Arteta. Um, I think Arteta sees him there, sort of there for a long time. Odegaard is close. You know, he's the captain. Still think huge underrated in terms of the Premier League, but he's, he's he's a quiet man, isn't he? Doesn't make the headlines necessarily. Um, similar, similar to De Bruyne, really for me. I think I think he's an absolute worldy of a player. I really do think he is. Um, his new deal is very close. We're told, um, crossing a few T's, dotting a few I's. Also talks going on with Ben White and Zinchenko as well. Um, but Arsenal doing things the right way. Um, both of them two looking like extensions, both playing really well. Ben White especially. Um Zinchenko, yeah, he's uh, been a bit up and down, hasn't he? But yeah, he'll be rewarded with a new deal as well. And so yeah, Arsenal keeping their squad tied down. And yeah, Odegaard will be first, and then we wouldn't be surprised to see White and Zinchenko follow pretty quickly after that. Would you expect to see Ben White pushing for more England minutes, Sean, in the future? Yeah, I think it must his continued admission, it must be an off field thing because I do think that Ben White is probably one of the more underrated defenders in the league. I thought he was near enough flawless in a lot of the games for Arsenal last season. I think he doesn't get enough credit from outsiders, I think. So I would like to see him come into the fold again. I think he's got that kind of almost John Stone's versatility. So if you if England could learn up on those kind of players, that's that's really great. And I think this is a great deal for Arsenal to be able to it's we're talking over about Liverpool, you know, the savvy deals to keep their best players tied down. It feels a lot like Arsenal are moving into that kind of 
um, bracket of smart, savvy club. It's a strange reason because Southgate doesn't have that excuse, guys. Just keep saying, "Oh, Ben White, yeah, he's playing right back. I haven't seen him at centre half." You know, yeah, well, you don't see Harry Maguire at centre half. He's still picking him. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but I think because that's where for England, that's where he plays, isn't it? Because we've got four. There's four right backs, literally four players ahead of him for England, which is right, rightfully Trippier, Walker, James, and Trent. But Ben White, if you put him centrally. Arguably should be ahead of Matt Gear, possibly. You know, Ben White, um, yeah, I think I think he's been very, very unlucky. Might be an example of positional versatility actually working against a player. Because don't forget Ben White first broke through at Leeds playing a defensive midfield, right? And then he went back into the back line, has now excelled at right back. Maybe if he was playing centre back at Arsenal, he might have more of a chance of getting in that England squad. But we shall it's see. A case of Southgate favouritism, which he's entitled to, you know. If you don't, if you don't, but he's England manager, you know. He, he has his trusted players, and I think that's just that's as Sean said. Really, he's on form. He warrants being in there. I just think it's a case of Southgate not particularly rating him, really. Just going to throw one more line in about a new contract. A quick iron in the fire. Uh, Jared Bowen, West Ham, trying to tie him down to a new contract, another player out of contract, Graham, in 2025. That's the deal that he signed when he joined West Ham in January 2020, when West Ham were fighting relegation. Um, He's one of the Premier League's most consistent players, and I was actually astonished when I, I did the story with you. He's only missed two Premier League games for West Ham in the entire time that he's been with the club, so he is always fit. That's 130 games that he's played. Goal return pretty good for a West Ham side who are now in Europe for the third consecutive season. He's got interest in him, hasn't he, Graham? Do you think this is going to be a factor in whether or not he puts pen to paper? West Ham hopeful that he does and probably wants to tie him down for, what, four or five years. But how do you see this one going? Is there potentially a chink in this? There is. It's quite close to a new deal, what we're told. Talks are ongoing. Um, But as we know, he's a player who... Jurgen Klopp has spoken about, you know, since he for quite a while now. As you know, Toby, he likes him, and and West Ham probably relieved to see Mo Salah not go to Saudi Arabia in the last window, because when you think about it, Liverpool, yeah, they're well stocked, but I imagine um, that Jared Bowen is very, very high up, and I'm told he is. Well, I know he is. He's very high up Liverpool's list as a Salah replacement. And he would be an app. When you think about all the players in the evening world football, Jared Bowen would be an ideal replacement for Mo Salah at Liverpool in terms of the cost, in terms of the age profile, in terms of the way he works. Yeah, if I was West Ham, yeah, I'd be getting him tied down. And what they are trying to do, they are trying to get him tied down before January. If I was Jared Bowen, I'd be waiting to see what happens to Mo Salah in that January window. Personally, I, you know, if, if he's on his back to Saudi Arabia and Liverpool have got a lot of money to spend, yeah, um, it's a really interesting situation for Jared Bowen. Signs a new deal at West Ham. It, it, it's a t- it's a tough one at West Ham, you know, because you know David Moyes no sign of a new deal for him anytime soon, Toby. So I, that might, in, but if he thinks Moyes is leaving, it might inspire him to sign a new deal. But um, it's a fascinating, yeah, Jared Bowen. It really, it, West Ham are a really fascinating club at the minute, even even with your irons in the fight. I mean, really think they're fascinating to look ahead to see what comes of this. But yeah, I think it's essential for West Ham to get Jared Bowen tied down. Sure, and it's quite extraordinary, his fitness record, isn't it? Given the amount of games that have been played in that time, we had COVID hit, then loads of games in sort of three, four months to get that season done. We've crammed a World Cup in. 
Bowen's got into the England squad in that period. West Ham have played loads of times in Europe. Uh, Bowen scoring the winner in the final against Fiorentina earlier this year. He's is he underrated? Is it strange to say that he's underrated? A little bit, yeah. I hadn't actually thought about the Mo Salah comparison before, but he does have that same kind of jink. He has that. He can just stop start very well on the ball. He can just kind of pick his spot from anywhere within eighteen yards. I understand the why he is would be so in demand because you're right that fitness record that is I didn't know that. But you got to imagine that a club like Liverpool, who do play a lot of these games, who do play a high-pressing, high-octane style, they would very much be interested in that. I always assumed that he would be someone that Newcastle would go after um, this summer. But I always thought that they needed a player like that, a player who's ready to make that next kind of leap, and they need another right winger. I was really surprised that they didn't go for him. Um, but yeah, I think, no offence, Toby, but I think he probably should hold off on signing a contract. <laughs> Well, fingers crossed the fact that he's had two, he's had twins this year. Hopefully he's settled um, in East London, from my perspective. He does put pen to paper. On That's not Barry Kane going. As far as if Favre lies a die hard hammer, yeah, maybe that. Uh, Absolutely. As far as Mr. Bean is here to keep him. Hopefully keep a little word. Down. Yeah, a little word in his ear to uh, point him in the right direction. We're going to finish off the show with a few players from abroad, Graham. Uh, Valentin Barco, uh, a young player that Brighton known for identifying talent in South America, getting them on the cheap, Moises Caicedo and Alexis McAllister, the two obvious examples I can give you. Brighton like him, but not alone, are they? Lots of Premier League clubs have woken up to this strategy of buying players at source, the thing that we've been saying for months. Uh, who's in pole position for this lad? Anybody at this stage? Brighton, if anyone, because they've sponsored players, agents and um not a million miles from a deal. And they can speak directly to him because he does have a release clause. $10 million, £8 million at the current exchange rate. He's a fabulous player. He's only made the breakthrough this season, but he's been a big part of this Boca team who are in the Copa Libertadores semi-finals. And they're going to play Palmeiras later this month and next month. Yeah, Brighton are advanced in there. Um, they like him a lot. We're also told Chelsea, Man City, Newcastle, Brentford... Wolves and Forest have all watched him in recent weeks. He can play anywhere down the left. He can also play in the middle. He's a really fabulous talent. Um, Celtic, Bayer Leverkusen, Borussia Dortmund, Benfica, Porto, Roma, Juventus, PSG, Monaco have also checked him as well. He, he really is a fabulous player. Boca, for their part, though, they are hoping to time down to a new deal. They want him to stay. He's only 19, and they're hoping to make him one of their highest-paid players in their squad, which some some of these South Americans they do let them go because they know they're making money, but Boca really want this guy to stay. Um, and so was, they're hoping that the Copa de Libertadores run will inspire him to stay at Boca. So it's an interesting one. We'll keep an eye on this one as it goes. Um, they're playing Palmeiras, and, and it'll be fascinating to watch to see that game. But that, the, the, stands, the stands for those games will be packed full. Of, um, of scouting. If I was a Premier League fan, I'd be watching these couple of semi semifinals. There's Andre Fluminense, the Liverpool target as well. Lots of players who have interested Premier League clubs. And obviously, he isn't a full Argentinian national, but this is where the new leagues and the Premier League rules come in. You can you don't have to meet that limit anymore. So before the Barco, wouldn't it would have been of interest to Premier League, but they knew they couldn't bring him in because he didn't qualify. Now under the new Brexit rules, these Premier League clubs can get him, and they are queuing up to get him. So, really fascinating, but a very good player. Also, a quick line, Graham, on Fabrizio Diaz. Uh, Brighton 
liked him, a Uruguay midfielder, uh, 20 years old. Barcelona liked him, but he's gone down the route of uh, Manuel Lanzini many moons ago. He's uh, He's gone to Qatar. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that Qatar came very late in the window, um, but they suddenly splashed the money on a few players. Marco Verratti went there. And now this young 20-year-old, um, was Uruguay on 20 captain, he's gone to Al Garafa. Um, Barcelona very keen, Brighton again, we're looking at him. Um, a lot of teams consider him Atalanta, Marseille, Seville, Berlin as well. Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United also looked at him. Um, he's 20, so... <laughs> You know, he he. This is a guy who, not quite like the guy at Boca, Boca, but I should say, he was potential first team material. So that's why it did surprise a lot of Premier League teams. But from his point of view, I spoke to sources close to the players, saying, "Well, the teams didn't come up, to, didn't put enough on the plate, they didn't put anything in front of him, and the Qataris did." So the expectation is that he'll probably stay in Qatar for a couple of years, and then pre World Cup in twenty twenty six. Um, he'll be heading back, heading to Europe. So, yeah, a bit of a Manuel Lanzini, as you say, Toby. We've seen a few of these players, um, a few youngsters go to the Middle East. And with the Saudi Pro League, I think this in Qatar, I think we'll see this happening a bit more. As you say, Toby, now, rather than paying these huge fees when these players are in Europe, you, you go to source. So this is a bit of a worry. For, this is one I, I spoke to a few Premier League teams. They're a bit worried, not really by Qatar so much, but a little bit, but by Saudis ready to raid South America, getting these players where there is still real value to be had. There's not many places in the world where Premier League clubs can get value, but South America is still one of those places. Interesting stuff. Uh, We're going to finish with an old podcast favourite. I think we first started talking about this guy, what, 18 months ago? Hugo Ekateki, Graham. Newcastle, firstly, a long time ago. Uh, West Ham, Crystal Palace more recently. He's at PSG, um, went there after a really red-hot season in Ligue 1. Didn't really get a chance, did he, last season, let's be honest. Uh, was linked with a move away this summer. Didn't happen. The links are still there. What's the what's the situation? Yeah, my understanding is it's been a bit close to his camp. Is he's going to give it a go at PSG. He's going to try and impress Luis Enrique. His problem is that he's seen the likes of Goncalo Ramos, Bradley Bacola, and Randall Colmoani all come in. And it's going to look, it looks like a tough slog for him to get into the team. Obviously, PSG wanted him to go to Frankfurt as part of the Colmoani deal. Um, didn't happen. He rejected that. And then he had talk strange. It was a strange one. He had talk, he was being linked to West Ham for a lot of window. West Ham were interested, Toby. But um, Crystal Palace came late on deadline day trying to get him on loan. But as it stands, there isn't talks going on with the English clubs. The English clubs are keeping in touch to let know the situation. Palace amongst them, West Ham amongst them, um, Brentford, who Sean will be interested. I, I could see him at Brentford. You know, I think he's that type of player who they could take take gamble on. Only twenty one. Wolves, Everton, money. like exactly, Sean. I think I think Ekiteki, which I know you'll love, Toby, is a player we'll be talking a lot about in the coming months ahead of the January window. But, it, you know, at the moment, he's going to try and make a breakthrough. He's a talented boy, so who's to say he won't make a breakthrough under Lewis Enrique? But if he doesn't play up to November, December time, that's when we'll start seeing these clubs making their moves. He's going to be available on loan as well, which is a big thing. We know Premier League clubs love a loan. So, yeah, I think there'll be a bit of a battle on for him. Um, there is interest back in his, his homeland as well. Um, Leon Lenz, even former club Stad Ream like him as well, but it depends where they are in the league in terms of that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see German interest as well. So we'll see where we are. We'll keep an eye on Hugh Graffitecki, but 
for the moment, for the next, next two months, he's going to try and impress Luis Enrique. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see where it goes. But yeah, um, we're going to be talking about it. It wouldn't surprise me to see him in the Premier League in January. We'll just round that story off then, Sean, by saying Brentford liked him. Do you think they might try and bring a forward in in January, depending on what happens with Tony? Um, haven't really got the best out of Kevin Sharder, have they? He's been on the bench quite a lot. Um, I'm not really sure he's going to make much of an impression at Brentford. It might be time for Thomas Frank to look to bring somebody else in. But Johan Wiss has had quite a good start to the season, hasn't he? Brian and Buemo playing very well. Mine's, yeah, Sean, think... do you think this is harsh? Shadow reminds me, reminds me a bit of Rutter at Leeds. Is that a bit harsh? Uh, a little a little bit. I think Shadow is... I think that he is a winger, not a number nine, but I think Frank said that he thinks he's a number nine. I, I don't think that at all. I do think that Brentford need another physical presence like a Tony, and I think Whistler is better coming off the bench when you need another goal. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went for a more... Not that physical, but he's definitely tall. Mm. So I think makes a bit of sense there. And if they could play Sharder and Burma out wide, then I think that makes a bit more sense. Did Brentford regret Sean? I was just looking at his stats. He's had a great start to his season at Sporting. Brentford should have gone for Guy Corey, shouldn't they? I did. I saw um, a compilation of uh, his match of the weekend. He looked formidable. It was making me think, oh, that would have been the Tony replacement right there, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, Ivan Tony will be back in January, so I expect him to probably have a Brentford shirt on until the end of the season. It'd be hard to see a January move happening, but we'll wait and see. Uh, Graham, Sean, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, quick reminder for you listeners to please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You can do so on all of your major podcast platforms. And if you want to follow us individually on social media, you can do so at Toby underscore Cudworth, at Graham Bailey and at Sean DZ Walsh at 90min underscore football for all of our social channels as a brand and 90min.com forward slash talking transfers if you want to read any of the articles on site. But until next week, guys, thanks very much uh, for listening. Uh, Graham and Sean, thanks very much for your time and we'll see you soon. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.